Hello, friends. Greg Kokel here, and uh, thank you for joining me. And this week is a little unusual. We're doing something different for these these particular shows because I am not in studio this week. Uh, a couple of months ago, or maybe it was a few weeks ago, I lose track now, <laughs> I had a wonderful conversation being interviewed by Rajat Diman, who has a podcast out of India titled Biblical Diman. And uh, I thought I'd share that with you for a segment of the show. We did that. And now I'd like to give you the remainder of my time on Biblical Demon. So uh, you asked me, how do you test a religion for truth? And what I'm demonstrating here as best I can is that there are, that we, 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 one way to do that is to take our religious views and and match them to the world because the religion is supposed to tell us why the world is the way it is and what the world is like outside of us okay let's take a look well wait that doesn't work atheism doesn't work because it can't make sense of evil but eastern monism can't work either because that can't make sense of evil either so i can you know just on those grounds i can i can conclude Remember, we're using reason now because it keeps us safe. It tells us what's true. What's true. I can conclude those other two worldviews are not accurate. Now, that leaves me with uh, some more, and there are more steps like this you can take. I know the universe came into existence sometime in the past. How long ago is a matter of debate, but every scientist now, for very good reason, believes the universe came into being. They call it the Big Bang. All right. Well, look at bangs don't bang themselves. My daughter said, if I bang my head on the table, then I'm one who banged it. So who banged the big bang? That's a good, that's a good question. The big bang needs a banger. Okay. And so this is another argument against atheism. Common sense says that a person acted not a physical person, a person acted to create the physical realm. So now what you have left, if that's reasonable, is you've got whatever the the details of the truth of the world are, the basis is an individual personal God. Okay? And that leaves you basically with three big religions. There's a couple of smaller ones. Um, but three big religions that teach that Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So this is a way of trimming it down. Okay. Um, and it must be an individual, any religion, <coughs> excuse me, that does not, um, teach an individual God, then isn't adequate to explain the world as we know. So this, again, I'm just thinking about things. And then you could look at the person of Jesus and the history of Jesus and see if Jesus rose from the dead. Well, that changes everything. If a, if a man can raise himself from the dead in such a public fashion that not only do hundreds of people actually see them, but many of those people are willing to die a martyr's death based on the truth of what they saw. And by the way, we have many Muslims uh, who have become Christians, who are in the same circumstance. They have a supernatural revelation from God, and they are so convinced it's true, they're willing to become Christians in non-Christian, non-Christian or Muslim environments 
where their lives are at risk and sometimes lost. But that shows the, the, the strength of the conviction of the truth of what they're, uh, what they're, uh, what they're giving their life for. Now, of course, Muslims have died for Islam. We know that. Uh, famously, suicide bombers. This is why the rational part is also part of it. It's not just the conviction, the strength of the conviction. But remember that the early Christians, though, they were willing to die because they really believed that Jesus came out of the grave, and the grave was empty. There was no body there. And and their lives were transformed. So this becomes powerful evidence that Jesus is the God who made everything, which is what Christianity actually teaches. So there is a little tutorial from my perspective about how one can go about the process of assessing whether or not a religious view is true. Mm, wonderful. That's great to hear that, uh, that how to test your religion for truth is that you see the actual world and see your beliefs or your religion, how it justifies, how it uh, solves the problem of evil. But mm-hmm. only after, you know, after all of the world religions, we find Christian theism is the only coherent with the actual world and it makes sense. Yeah. And, and that's why it is true because the life of Jesus and the works of Jesus, the person of Jesus and the, mm-hmm. you know, person of Jesus has mm-hmm. made it clear that how the world mm-hmm. is. And yeah, uh, let me say something about animism just for a quick moment, if I could, because you mentioned that as a religion. Animism is, is, uh, well, it's not really, in my view, worship of spirits. Okay, it's really a religion that acknowledges the reality of spiritual powers, which Christianity does also. But the people think they can manipulate the spirits. And so I lived in Thailand for a while, for seven months, and, and it, it, that um, um, animism is very big in Thailand, even though it's a Buddhist nation. And so people think if they if they give their children nicknames, like if they call their children, they nickname their child dog. Well, no spirit's going to want a dog. And so they won't bother the child or there were keys around their wrists or on their neck or they'll have these. So these are all attempts to manipulate the spirits. Okay. Uh, but it's not strict. It is a worldview, but it's not strictly speaking worship because they're not, they're not really worshiping. They are simply trying to manipulate the spirits. All right. Now, um, if Christianity is true, well, certainly there are spirits, but you cannot manipulate them. They're way too powerful. There's only one that can save you from those evil spirits. And that is the perfect spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God. Jesus is the only one filled with the spirit who defeated all those evil spirits and in him only. Is there real protection? Amen. True, true. That's true. And uh, I, I want to ask that uh, since we were talking about how to uh, test your religion for truth, now we have the terms like sin, salvation, redemption, sanctification, righteousness, and other theological terms which mostly Christian use, right? Uh, to Christian use to justify their worldview, to justify their Christian worldview. 
Well, I think more it's more to explain their Christian worldview, not to just yeah. it isn't reasons for it. It is yeah. once we get into that world, then we have to look at what does the Bible teach about the the smaller things, the particulars. And so we use words like you just used yeah. to describe it, not to justify it. Yeah, to explain the Christian worldview or to Correct. describe the Christian worldview, along with the statement, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, when you, now, when Christian make this claim that, that means they are indirectly saying that all other ways are false. So what does it actually mean when Christian says, or the Bible says that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Right. Let me, um, let me do, let me start by making this clarification. This isn't, there's a reason that Christians say this, actually two reasons, but the, it's because Jesus said it. All right. Jesus is the author of that idea. In fact, I have a little clip right here. Um, and it's just, it's very thin, but it says, Jesus, the only way 100 verses. There are actually, I found more than a hundred verses in the New Testament, many of them in the gospels coming from Jesus and many of them f- from those people who Jesus personally trained to follow after him. They said the same thing. Okay. So Jesus is the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Okay. That's maybe the most famous line from the Gospel of John, chapter 14 of Jesus. But he says it many other places. And it's it's obvious, given his whole teaching, he comes down as the Savior to rescue the world. And this brings us to the second reason. <clears throat> so I'm giving you the reasons right now. I'm not necessarily defending them. Um, if you think Jesus is pretty smart, and I think most religious um, Hindus especially think Jesus is pretty cool. He's good. They revere him. He, they add him to their list of gods oftentimes. All right. I was in Madras for a few weeks and, you know, you take the little tuk-tuk driver, you know, the cabbie thing, and they have pictures of gods, you know, there on their vehicle and there's Jesus. So they add them to it. Well, this would not make Jesus happy because he's, in his mind, he's not one of the others. He's all by himself. And actually he says this, all that came before me are thieves and robbers. Okay, strong statement. Okay, so um, the question then is, why would Jesus say this? If Jesus is to be revered, then we ought to look at what he says. And well, Jesus is the one who said this. Okay, it's not Christians who are being nasty. Jesus said it. Okay, why did he say it? And the simplest answer that I can give is that he's the only one who solved the problem. He's the only one who solved the problem. Now, uh, remember I mentioned that different worldviews um, have different ways of describing what the problem is and therefore how to solve the problem. But of course, they can't all be right because they have different ideas about the world. The world is one way. It's not a bunch of ways. Okay. So if if there is a God, he is either a personal God, like the Muslims might say, or he is not a personal God, like the Hindus say, but he can't be both. When you die, maybe you go to heaven or hell, or maybe you get reincarnated, but you can't do them both. The point I'm making here is they can't both be true because they compete. 
with each other. They have different opposing ideas. So it's not really meant to be rude to say that all these other religions must be false. Frankly, these other religions should say the same thing about all the other religions, including Christianity. If there's a few exceptions, but most of them say, say Islam. Our view of reality is correct. Other people are false. What does the Buddhist say? His view is correct. Therefore, the other people must be false. It isn't just Christians that are saying this. Everybody's saying this. Everybody's making this claim because it makes sense. They can't all be right. Now, they can all be wrong, but they cannot all be right. And that's not bigotry. That's simple math. <laughs> you know, mathematics, you just, it just doesn't work out that way. Okay. So, um, then the, 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 so the idea that one religion is right is common sense. And most people in other religions think that's true. They think their view is correct. All right. So Christians aren't saying anything different than most other religions are saying. And um, Christians are only saying what Jesus himself said. Okay. But the next point I've already mentioned, it, why? It's because he solved the problem. Now, what does Christianity teach about the problem? What does the Bible teach about the problem? Well, the problem is sin. What's sin? We already talked about it in a sense. Evil in the world done by people. When people do evil things, we know they should be punished. This is why we have prisons and the like. Okay? People who do bad things ought to be punished. People pretty much know that. Okay? And so I ask them that question. They say, yeah, they should be punished. And I say, here's another question. Have you ever done any bad things? Now, it's personal, right? And they answer, uh, yes. <laughs> why do they answer yes? Because they have done bad things. All of us have. I have, too. So we believe that people who do bad things ought to be punished and that we've done bad things. We already know this. We don't need a Bible to tell us that. But the Bible does tell us that. It affirms what we already know. Okay? So this brings up another point. Jesus, what does he do? He has made it possible for us to be forgiven rather than punished. He has made it possible for us to be forgiven rather than punished. Well, what has he done to make it possible? He took the punishment on himself. He took the punishment on himself when he died on the cross. And the punishment wasn't that coming from other human beings that crucified him. That was bad. But the punishment actually came from God the Father who took the anger he has towards you and I for our sins, and he placed it on Jesus and punished Jesus instead. Okay. So what this means in very simple terms is when we face God, actually in the final judgment after we die, it will be Jesus. When we face final judgment, either Jesus will pay for our sins because we put our trust in him in his life, like you and I have. We talked about that. Or we pay ourselves. Either Jesus pays or we pay. Somebody's got to pay. Jesus can do it for us and rescue us. Or we say no. And then we get punished for our own sins. 
And that punishment is, is banishment from God in a place of terrible agony because we have sinned. In fact, God has kept a record of our sins. That's there at the end judgment. He opens the book. There it is. We're not getting away with anything. God knows every single thing we've ever done wrong. And that's what we're going to see on that judgment day. And if Jesus doesn't save us, no one can. That's why Jesus is the only way. He paid the price for us. Either he pays or we pay. Mm, that's true. Wonderful. That Jesus, That's why Jesus is the only way, because he's the one who can save us from the wrath of God. And no other uh, deity or any other God, small, small G-O-D, has made this distinction or made this claim that they can save. Right? That's right. Hmm. So, okay, so moving on to the last question, which I usually ask every guest, that mm-hmm. what advice would you give to the young Christians, those who are in this internet age, are influenced by culture, philosophies, and other worldviews? Well, in a certain sense, um, there is nothing different about this age than any other age, except for the internet. Notice how you asked the question, what, what advice would you give a Christian? I'm just going to drop internet for a moment who are in, uh, are influenced by culture, philosophies, and other worldviews. Well, that happened in the first century and every century since then. There are cultural pressures. There are other philosophies. There are competing worldviews. All right. And so, Christian youth are facing exactly the same general kinds of things that they faced in the past. Okay. But now you got the internet. So what is the internet? It's just a means of communication. It's a powerful one, but it's just a means of communication. So in the first century, you had writing or spoken word. It's pretty much all you had. Now you have a lot more writing and you have ways and you have videos and you have ways that this can be communicated. So on the one hand, I don't want young people to feel like this is a whole different world than anybody else's faced because in, in the most elementary way, it, it's not different. In the most elementary way, it's precisely the same. We have competing philosophies, complete, competing worldviews. We have a culture that is pressing in on us. In this culture, though, it has the means of pressing in on us much more aggressively than other cultures have had. And the means are these means of communication that we have, like we're using right now. You are on the other side of the world, and I'm looking right at your lovely face and you at mine, okay, in real time. That's on, I mean, look at 50 years ago, no one would have even imagined such a thing were possible. And within my lifetime, right? When I was in college, no one would have imagined this kind of thing. Actually, before that, there was a comic book character that would show up in the newspapers even before I was born. His name was Dick Tracy. And Dick Tracy used to have a phone on his wrist that he could talk into and talk to different people with his, his phone, his, his watch phone, right? And, uh, oh, and this is like science fiction. Now we have phones like that. You can talk into your phone 
and you can talk to other people or you can talk. I'm I'm thinking your wristwatch, what's on your wrist. We also have our iPhones, of course, but this is a separate device. But now we even have wristwatches that you can do that to. So now we are living in a period where we have tremendous technology. Okay. And so ideas are flooding in much more aggressively than they ever had. And the ones who control most of all of that are not Christians. And they are pumping in different worldviews very aggressively that look very persuasive. Now, of course, we can use it. We're doing it now. We're using the technology um, to communicate the truth. But this is the hard part, finding out what the truth is. And a lot of these cultural philosophies are there to to manipulate people's feelings in different ways, to believe something that's false. Incidentally, even there are Christians, you know, I mentioned Benny Hinn, who will manipulate feelings to believe something false, a false Christianity. And this is why we've come full circle now. We're back to this question about rationality and evidence versus feelings and experience. Okay, the 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 rest of the culture right now is using these powerful mediums, these uh, the Internet, for example, to deeply influence people largely through their feelings. Now, some might say, well, wait a minute, they're they're um, they're trying to reason with us and they're given reasons. But if you listen carefully to the language, the language is well, we would say in, in America, we would say the language is loaded. That means it's a kind of a rhetoric. It's even, it's kind of deceptive. All right. So just going back to last century, when the Germans wanted to kill all of the Jews, they didn't call it Jew- Jewish genocide. They called it the final solution. Jewish genocide sounds terrible. Final solution? Oh. That's great. Let's solve a problem. So this is where language is used to manipulate feelings and people then end up going with the feelings, even when it sounds a little bit like the other side is reasoning. Okay. And so how do you deal with that? Well, you just learn. First, you learn what the truth is. And you mentioned a book that I'd written in the past. And I don't know if it's, I, I, maybe it's available in India. I mean, Amazon's everywhere, it seems like. And uh, that's called The Story of Reality. And the subtitle is How the World Began, How It Ends, and Everything Important That Happens in Between. Now, uh, I'm not the only one who's written a book like this. C.S. Lewis has written, written a wonderful book called Mere Christianity. But the idea of my work and Lewis's and others like it is to provide a, uh, an accurate view of the foundation of Christianity so we can really get a picture of what it is and why it is true. So I have that in that book, simply called The Story of Reality. But however the young Christian gets it, they need to get a foundation built of what is true. And they need to get that from reliable sources, and that's not Benny Hinn, okay, or anyone like him. All right. I know that many uh, Hindu avatars or teachers, um, they think Jesus is great and they talk about Jesus all the time. I promise you, these people have never read Jesus. They have not been students of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, which are the biographies 
uh, of Jesus written by those people who are close to Jesus. Because you cannot come up with this other theology if you, if you read what Jesus actually taught. Um, so that's what a, a new Christian needs to learn. The most important thing a young Christian can learn is Christianity. Mm-hmm. Once you have a very solid grasp of real, true, historic Christianity, then you start learning more and more the reasons why we can trust that Jesus rose from the dead or that God created the world. Um, or that, uh, that, uh, a whole host of other things that have to do with the Christian worldview. But in my view, it's first things first. If we are going to defend the faith, we better be clear on the faith we are defending. Okay. Okay. And get that right first. And that's the, that's the foundation. That is the foundation. Hmm. I think that's a very good advice that first let's read what we are believing. Let's, you know, get deeper into the faith and uh, instead of believing whatever is in, in in front of our eyes, whether it's because of internet or some magazine or the books. Right. Rajat, what I do in the book, The Story of Reality, is I actually break those into five separate categories to make it easy. So there are particular things about God and man and Jesus, because lots of different ideas about Jesus, but only one biblical idea. Okay. Jesus, then the cross, I mentioned the cross, something happened on the cross, and then resurrection. And here I mean the final resurrection. So you have the beginning when God made everything, and then you have the final resurrection where people are raised from the dead and stand before that throne of just, of judgment. And one of two things will happen there, either perfect justice or perfect mercy. Perfect justice is punishment for everything you've ever done wrong, and God misses nothing. Or perfect mercy, which is forgiveness for everything we've ever done wrong, and God misses nothing. So I just want to commend, if if people have access to it, um, that book. And by the way, on our own website, we have free courses that are easy to go through. And uh, one of those courses is on the story of reality. So you can get that. Um, and there's little testing devices, but really, I mean, the classes are like six classes or maybe seven. I don't know. And each class is maybe 15 minutes long. It's not hard, but it does communicate those basics that are in that book. And there are other websites that do that as well. If people are interested in Stand to Reasons website, it's very simple. Stand to Reason, S-T-R, that's the acronym, S-T-R dot O-R-G, S-T-R dot O-R-G. And there are just literally thousands of articles and videos that deal with uh, all kinds of different things. My own radio show is there, the podcast. Uh, We have actually multiple podcasts, so people can listen to that if they want. But uh, getting that foundation is absolutely critical, and that those five things, God, man, Jesus, cross, resurrection, I think is a good way of understanding how the whole thing fits together. Wow, wonderful. That's that's a good advice. And those who are interested in reading the story of reality, how the world began, the link is in the description. You can order the book or also you can go to the str.org to watch free resources available on their website. So, sir, it was wonderful to have you here and you wonderfully answered some of the questions which I asked 
and uh, i think those are really needed in this time and for the people for the people those who are viewers so thank you so much for your availability oh you're so you're so welcome you're so welcome well, that's it for this show, friends. Thank you so much for being part of what we do here at Stand to Reason. I'm Greg Kokel. Give them heaven. Give them heaven.